0: about how what and why we believe as we do a time for the open-minded willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know who we are and who we might just become i'm eldon taylor and this is provocative enlightenment all right our chat room is open and my partner ravinder awaits you there now you can log on by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat we do have a great chat room so ravinder tell us all about it please
1: yes we have a great chat room a we have lots of great conversation, lots of extra information too that gets posted in the chat room. So you have a video of the guest um, most of the times. So oftentimes the guest or one of their people is in the chat room as well, providing us with even more information and extra urls where we can get even more stuff there. So do come join us. That is ProvocativeEnlightenment.com forward slash chat.
0: All right. In this week's spotlight, I'd like to address the notion of group think. I continue to be surprised at how often people repeat lines they have heard spoken by pundits on both sides of the political aisle that are false to fact. Then I thought back to a meeting I had with a friend of mine who was visiting from Germany. He loves magic and, you know, I like hypnotic shows, but we decided to take in a magic show for him while he was there i was asked to assist the magician by pretending to have lost my watch a watch that he would find i wondered how many tricks are really not tricks at all but rather staged events now i've studied and used hypnosis for over 30 years and i know of certain hypnotic tricks that are absolutely not staged Maybe next time we'll take in a hypnosis act, but I'll use that as my segue. For this past week, I gave a lot of thought to an idea suggested by Richard Bach in his book, Hypnotizing Maria. Imagine that a stage hypnotist has hypnotized you. The experience will seem quite real even if it's a pure hallucination, negative or positive in nature. Now, a negative hallucination occurs when you fail to see what is there, and a positive occurs when you see what is not there. So imagine that you are experiencing a positive hallucination in which you've been imprisoned in a room without doors. Further, imagine that the room is made of solid concrete, like a bomb shelter or bunker, And that the walls, floor, and ceiling are several feet thick. You're trapped inside this room without exits. Okay, think about this for a moment. Perhaps you circle on the stage floor, walking around the room that only you can see. The audience has been told that you believe that you are trapped in a solid concrete room. Indeed, they've They've seen the whole hypnotic process and the power of suggestion that's placed you in that room. You touch the cold walls when the hypnotist suggests that you try to find a way out. They are hard. You push on them and find they are not just cold and hard, but the surface is rough like a sidewalk. You kick the wall and hurt your foot. When prompted to by the hypnotist, You search for seams, door, openings of any kind, and find none. You begin to worry. How will you get out? What if the light disappears? Where is the light coming from? Fear begins to crawl all over you. Okay. Now imagine that you're in the audience. You are witnessing a hypnotized individual trapped in an imaginary room that is, the barrier perceived as a concrete wall, doesn't actually exist. The walled-in subject is trapped only by their beliefs. From your perspective in the audience, it seems almost ridiculous that this self-imposed belief, this hallucination, this state of mind and hypnosis, could possibly be real. You laugh at the antics of the hypnotized as they become frantic to escape. Their antics grow ever more panic. You laugh louder and harder. Okay. Now imagine that you are living in a world full of your own self-imposed limitations, definitions, preconceived notions, emotional biases, and so forth. And you're doing so right now. How many of these self-imposed walls have you been hypnotized to believe are real. Isn't that what accepting a suggestion is? A mild state of hypnosis? How many suggestions have you accepted by the world around you, your peers, the media, etc., that have become your walls, your barriers, your false-to-fact beliefs? We live in a world where it seems that most seek to entrap us in this or that argument as though they are our only choices, and they are not. Perhaps we need to dehypnotize ourselves. Questioning everything we believe is one way to begin. I wrote both Choices and Illusions and Gotcha to expose the extent of this programming and our true choices. I hope you will seek to separate the false from the real. Those are my thoughts. What are yours, Ravinder?
1: Oh, I think there's lots of food for thought there. You know, I, I try to put into practice all the things that you teach, and this is one um, example exactly because, you know, you and I have discussed this before. And I think if you begin with the assumption that you have been hypnotized and therefore you turn around and question all of your thinking, it's in that process that you have the best possible chance of discovering who you really are and expressing your own individuality. It's how you get out of the herd mentality that is there because we are surrounded by suggestions. They just come in from every single direction, whether it's from our parents when we're younger, you know, our siblings, our peers, um, This kind of stuff goes on nonstop and before we realize it, we have put up those invisible boundaries in our own minds and boxed ourselves in. But we are doing the boxing in just because we're not questioning and thinking about it again. So when you start to question and then you find holes in the information, then that becomes evidence that you need to dig around some more. But it's a fascinating process. It's definitely worthwhile doing. You know, the fact is we are all subject to this and we all have the ability to escape from it. You just have to believe that you can change. And then you can.
0: We have mirror neurons. We're great copycats and mimickers. And unfortunately, what that suggests and what the data shows is we spend far less time examining ourselves than we do spending uh, in the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax chasing something else. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our show featured Julie Dandelock, and we discussed her new book, The Hot Detox. Ravinder and I have already made some adjustments to what we do by way of our eating. Annie wrote, thanks for the great show with Julie. She's absolutely a wealth of information. I'm buying the book today. Robert wrote, great show with Julie Daniluk. Thanks for the variety of super guests. Elizabeth wrote, I just ordered the hot detox. Thanks for your show. Moving on, Tom wrote, and I pass along your mindful, dialectical, thought-provoking insights to my friends and public posts. I'm so grateful for your stretching the bell curve that social exclusion narrows. Well, thank you, Tom. Now, I like that one, huh, Ralph?
1: I do indeed.
0: Now the actress, Wanda Morgenstern, I like her, she's a great actress, Mm -hmm. sent us this note. I've been using the Remembering Lines, Especially for Actors, Intertalk CD for a couple of weeks now, and I love it. I was on set last week for a scene, and it was so easy and natural. The words just flowed. Thank you. Jason wrote, you sent her a copy of that for review, didn't you? I did indeed. Yeah. Jason wrote, I recently ordered several of the Ozo CDs and have used them daily since I received them. I'm truly impressed and have already noticed a change in my attitude and mental state. I'm currently employed as an automobile salesman and have been there for over 10 years. I'm extremely interested in marketing these programs in order to sincerely help people. Well, we do have a distributor program, Jason, and I will have someone on staff reach out and explain it to you. Thanks for the feedback. Felicita wrote, Love your newsletter, amazing insight. Looking forward to my next read. Now, for all of you, the newsletter is free. Begin your subscription today by going to eldentaylor.com. Uh, finally, Maria wrote, Elden, I. Well, this one is kind of mushy. All right. <laughs> anyway, she. Eldon, I owe you so much. Your books, your CDs, your inspiration. You have helped me to get to this age intact and flourishing. I hope you feel my gratitude. It is like a Borealis. Wow. Thank you, Maria. And I am deeply honored by your words indeed. Keep on flourishing. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today. But I do invite you to opine by emailing me at eldon at eldontaylor.com. Or by joining me on Facebook. We sincerely appreciate your comments and feedback, including any negative remarks that you might have. We usually get a negative remark. I don't think we've had one since we've been on KKNW. I I don't know if that addresses the audience, or maybe we've perfected our own bell curve. I'm not (laughs) sure. All right. Now to this week's show. Developing intuition and empathy by making marks with our guest Elaine Clayton. Now, Elaine has been with us before, but for those of you unfamiliar with her, let me tell you a little about our guest. Elaine Clayton is an internationally known author and artist. She is a former teacher and author and illustrator of dozens of books for children, including books by Pulitzer Prize-winning author Jane Smiley and Wicked author Gregory McGuire. Her books on intuitive development and the link between art, creative practice, and intuitive intelligence are sold worldwide. Her most recent book, Making Marks, and it's a great book. I've read this one. Discover the Art of Intuitive Drawing is an award-winning exploration of the natural and innate power we all hold as mark makers using the method she calls stream drawing or drawing in a stream of consciousness state. I don't know. I'm not sure I understand that. Remind me to ask Elaine because how can you draw in a... Let me say that again. How can you stream draw in an unconscious state? Hmm. Hmm. Elaine conducts workshops, and for three decades, she has taught children empathy and empowerment through drawing at schools, libraries, museums, and wellness centers. So on that, let's get her in here. Welcome back to Provocative Enlightenment, Elaine Clayton.
2: Hi there. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: I'm good. Your your copy says drawing in a stream of conscious state. Can you yeah. draw in a stream of unconscious state?
2: Yeah, I'm just so smiling when you when you ask that I love it. Well, I think you can live your whole life unconscious. <laughs> you're the I brain scientist too. though. You're you're the brain scientist, so okay, that's a fun one to come through. So you're conscious in that you get a piece of paper. You pick up a pencil and you decide to draw, but so that, and that way you're conscious. But don't we constantly have this sort of unconscious dream moving through us that we're just not really aware of?
0: Well, certainly we have a subconscious activity going on that most are totally oblivious to. You're right. Yeah.
2: Before we jump into way your way book, though, what'd you before,
0: say? I'd say before we jump into your book and <laughs> your work, though. Uh, many of our listeners are not going to be familiar with you. And as you know, we like three things. Who is the messenger? What is the message? And, of course, how do we use it? So to that end, share a little about yourself with our audience, including, you know, what interested you in art uh, as an expression of the unconscious.
2: Well, um, I, you know, I, I was always drawing people I, I, from a very, very early age. um, you know, I, I had gone to Catholic school briefly, and my mother was really amused because I, when I drew the portrait of the nun, I would draw the naked bodies, and I put garters on and hose and <laughs> underwear and bra, and then the, you know, habit over all that. So I was just fascinated by people, that they all look different, and families, and how different families, you know, um, lived slightly differently, even though they might be neighbors, and... Um, different configurations of sons and daughters one might have only boys and the other has a little boy and a girl and all those things so i think i started to draw um really always i was drawing people and i started to draw out of a fascination with people from really really early on and i never stopped so here i am
0: so did you, I mean, you know, I mean, did you ever submit some of these drawings of the nuns to like Frederick's magazine, you know, the Frederick's catalog that goes around?
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about that. I have to look into that. Um, I probably have some of those somewhere because my dad not that long ago did give me some drawings I had done when I was really young that he had in some box somewhere. Um,
0: I mean, there had to be some unconscious connection that would give rise to putting garters on nuns' heads. I
2: know. Well, I think that I thought women, I discovered women wore these things. You know, like there were commercials. Um, I don't know if my mother would have worn them, but it was, yeah, we're talking about the 1960s, early. So, Maybe it was um, the
0: old Westerns that they aired in those days. They show a saloon, and the gal always had a garter on and all. Exa- that yeah, or
2: something. they did totally, right. And I'm pretty sure there were there were um what did they call the you know, um, what do they call those things? Like today we have spanks. you know, women wear those things to pull themselves in a little.
3: So oh, what the did
2: they, girdle? Yes, yeah, see, girdles. I forgot I even <laughs> forgot the word. It's such an old world. Nobody <laughs> says that anymore. So: Do they that still might be the first make time them?: In 10 years, someone said "girdle. <laughs>
0: All right. Elaine, you heard the spotlight piece. Have you found that in developing your intuitive abilities through the use of art, that you gain insights that can help you break out of group thinking?
2: I, You know, I, I do I do think that. I was really intrigued by what you were talking about in the introduction. Because, and then we in the chat room we started um cb you know had a little comment about so if we're in society we kind of get hypnotized right you know right. and it feels like there there's almost no escaping being somewhat conditioned in order to be able to you know exist with anybody else right and so i think we've done a really good job we have a really great society i feel really lucky but we were conditioned From very early on, I think, to, um, you know, the picture, it's um, an adult at the front of the room and little brand-new human beings sitting there um, facing the adult, eyes wide, you know. Um, It's not only that, but it's better today than it used to be. But I think we get kids in with all our good intentions to teach them, to empower them to read and write. And we're really lucky we have that in America, I think. We're very lucky but um, but maybe what we have created also is a, a way in which everyone is systematically conditioned to be followers and be um, disconnected from their own innate gifts of creative uh, you know expression um, it feels like stream drawing and the reason why I really wanted to share it as a method is it so natural for us to make marks, and we we're, we get born almost doing it. You know, as soon as we can hold something or make uh, marks with our fingers when we're really very young. Um, so I think it's so natural, and we are creators. My personal philosophy is that we're creators, born in the image of the great creator, right? So you can't really take the creativity out of us, but we can be conditioned to think that we're not worth doing anything creative that we're not worthy at all um and and then this goes into you know what you've written about in gotcha um maybe conditioned to not even ever ask questions um to to not um think for ourselves in a way that might hold other institutions accountable or you know you know
0: my own thoughts on, I, I would differ with you some on public education. I mean, it's good that we have, you know,
2: an education system. Yeah, tell me about what, what, what you think about it. I'd love to know. Well, it's
0: good that we have that. But, of course, you know, when you compare it to other uh, nations, uh, we're not doing all that well. So. no. Uh, the, the idea that maybe it's better today than it used to be, well, maybe the others have just improved a lot more than we have, but our standing by way of ranks against other nations mm-hmm. has definitely slipped. And I think part of that is because, and I've had a number of professors on this show who have shared, uh, concurred with this idea, I should say, that it's more about indoctrination today than it is about education. You you know, you are there to learn what you what they want you to learn. You're not there to question. You're not there to think. And then again, I think there's another added element that ties in very directly with what you do, and that's so much of everything done today is mm-hmm. left brain. It's all about reading, writing, arithmetic. It's not about art. It's not about music. It's not about, you know, the creative side. I, I hate to use this, but you know we have this split, the split brain model, the left mm-hmm. brain, the right brain, and and they're they're very real, although they it very often is oversimplified. But we we as a society have become very analytical in terms of our left brain use and lost a lot of that creativity that comes from our right brain and that's speaking for the typical right hander I mean this is a gross oversimplification but our educational system doesn't seem to uh, value that aspect of our culture have I got that wrong in your own experience you were a teacher you're interacting with schools today
2: Mm mm-hmm well I I relate I relate in my own experience I've felt growing up that it was very much a systematic approach where you're either correct and good or you're wrong and humiliated so you're afraid all the time and um you know your brain isn't really working if it isn't working both lobes together you're in the fight or flight mode so you're really not able to even do your best with any subject because you're sitting there afraid and then when I got a little older, and I was, an, was artist-in-residence at an elementary school, public school, and then I would go to the school that I thought would be elitist and everything, and I wasn't so sure about it because it was independent. And right away I saw that the way they had everything structured was so that it was, it was teaching. The adults would make mistakes and smile, you know, like, oh, it was that way. Oh, I had that wrong. They were so comfortable with um, the discovery, and I realized that, for me, that's what enlightenment is, is when you know that learning is a process of making mistakes or questioning, and when you have adults who are so comfortable with themselves and don't feel humiliated or ashamed that they're wrong, and, and most of them are Ivy League people, you know, right. I thought, wow, wait a minute, you know, and then the kids didn't want to leave the school at the end of the day, and I thought, okay. But I do want to say that it's one thing if you say, like these people did in Atlanta, the, uh, the Paidea School, they they were young, they wanted to start a new school, they wanted to kind of revolutionize education in America, and they did a beautiful job, but they kind of did it on their own terms and they created almost like a Camelot, I, I think of it as, you know. But let's say I'm a teacher at a public school. And I don't have control over all the conditions, there's no budget, and I've got 36 kids, and I want to individualize, but the each child has so many different needs, you know, that right. um, I can't do it, or I don't know how, or I wasn't trained to know how, or, you know, school is, is not um, a place where anyone who, who has kids wants to even send their kids because they didn't like school. So their kids have a fear already. There are just so many complications. I'm not really sure how to solve it. For me, when you were talking about um, indoctrination and the people that you've had on, I I sort of think we've sunk maybe. Here's a theory. I don't know if it's true. I'd love to hear what people think. I think we're just so kind of happy and we've got our snacks and we're going to watch the Super Bowl what else is on TV? You know, school is one teacher, but really TV is is what has been teaching us, don't you think? I mean, I think that we're taught by all kinds of things, and school is this other thing. So what is TV teaching us? What has it taught us all these years since it well, began?
0: You know, when you, you look at those comments in society, I guess, you know, my point aside from that was just simply that your work can tap into the unconscious because mm-hmm. it moves away from that left-brain linear process. Mm-hmm. And, and schooling in the past had a lot of art and had a lot of music and, and those things. When I went to high school, they were required. I had to take classes in them, you know, right. shop yeah, and band and glee mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they've been dropped completely from the curriculum. Oh, uh, right. So that whole creative side of us, I think, has been narrowed into... We're being, you know, shot down a chute, and and in order to get out, we just have to have this information. We've got a hard break here. When we come back, we'll pick it up. I want to know why you think everyone is natural at drawing. We're speaking with Elaine Clayton about her life and book, making marks. You can learn more about our guest by visiting our website at ElaineClayton.com. We have a video of Elaine in the chat room for you discussing stream drawing so get on over there provocative forward slash chat we'll be right back
3: you're listening to provocative enlightenment with elton taylor change has never been easier whether you wish to lose weight stop smoking build better relationships become creative enjoy ultra prosperity or simply relax and promote self-healing InnerTalk has been repeatedly demonstrated effective in the most rigorous of scientific studies. Our customers love InnerTalk. Sean wrote, I have struggled with bulimia for over 30 years and have never been able to lose weight without restoring to it until I used InnerTalk. Vicki wrote, My hubby has been using the Stop Snoring CD and already his dangerous and raucous snoring levels have stopped. Celeste wrote, I recently graduated from Taft Law School with honors, I'm writing to tell you how much your InnerTalk CD, Excel in Exams, has helped me. With over 300 titles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check it out today by going to InnerTalk.com.
2: Unlock the power of your mind.
0: This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're chatting with Elaine Clayton about her life and new book, Making Marks. You can learn more about our guest and her work by visiting her site at ElaineClayton.com. Now we ask our guests for their favorite music, and by now you know music psychology is a great interest of mine. And it has a lot of practical relevance in many areas, including intelligence, creativity, personality, and social behavior. All right, we just played some of Hello High performed by Cantor Dresher. So please tell me, Elaine, and I know there was a different version of this that you wanted me to play, but I'll discuss with you later why I use this one. Uh how why is this important to you and how does it instruct us about who you are?
2: Well, thank you for playing it. I loved that version. Um I almost cried hearing it. I, I... I was surprised that, in fact, I thought, oh, I didn't tell him what my favorite song is. I remembered I had already told you a while back, but um, let me just tell you what it said. It's an ancient Hebrew song, right, prayer, Mm -hmm. and it's um, chanted in Hebrew, like you just heard it, um, at Shabbat services. Let me just read it to you in English, or a little bit of it at least. My God, guard my speech from evil and my lips from deception before those who slander me. I will hold my tongue. I will practice humility. Open my heart to your Torah that I may pursue your mitzvot. As for all who think evil of me, cancel their designs and frustrate their schemes. Act for your own sake, for the sake of your power, for the sake of your holiness, for the sake of your Torah, so that your loved ones may be rescued. Save with your power and answer me. I, I just, felt when I first heard it, I didn't know it in English, right? I just heard the Hebrew and um, one of the things that happens in these dream drawings when I do one for other people is there are two views that show the emotional centers of the body, right? And what happens to me when I hear chanting like that, I can feel the emotional energy move up through my throat and make my heart billow you know 10 times its size so i think that I'm, i'm interested in what you think about music psychology and how it might help us transform but the way in which it means something to me is that i feel it very personally and i want my emotional centers of the body to be something i'm aware of and so these dream drawings help me help others and help me help myself um Be aware of where I hold emotion, you know, so you could be holding it in your head and you know it because you have a headache or if your throat hurts a lot, it might be because you're not saying what you really want to say. It might be that you're saying things in a caustic way and haven't realized it. Um, You know, we all know what it's like to have your heart hurt, you know, when it just literally hurts right there in your heart. Um, or your stomach when you go someplace and you don't really like being there, but your brain hasn't figured it out yet. But your stomach has told you you don't want to be there, right? So well, you, I think you, this, yeah, this this. Candace has is is
0: pretty well shown us that we, you know, our stomach is a part of our brain. But go on, mm-hmm, yeah.
2: hmm It isn't what we thought, and so I think the holistic or you know, Ayurvedic or alternative all these different ways of perceiving the way the body is talking to us trying to align us with what's good for us um head to toe so um i i listened to ancient chants you know and i learned them so that i can be moved like that um and some of that came to me years ago um in dreams i would have what i call instructional dreams i have have them uh, still, but they come only very, you know, infrequently, and they, they really hit me hard. And one of them did have to do with um, how the ancient scribes knew that chanting would move the emotions up, out, and out of you, really, through the chanting. Like, it's very healthy to do it. It, it makes you feel better. So, and I, you know, I don't know if anyone else feels that way, like singing or yeah right we do don't Hist- we? In history I is rich
0: people- with uh, you know uh, a well uh, for that matter, uh, ceremonial music mm-hmm. um, we know uh mm-hmm. gives rise to feelings that sometime are national in nature, like national pride uh, mm-hmm. and and often religious, but throughout history, particularly spiritual religious ceremonies have been accompanied by Uh, chants, um, sometimes simple mantras, but sometimes Mm -hmm. very exquisite, you know, lengthy chants, uh, drumming. uh, And and we're just now understanding, beginning to understand why music is so powerful. But then, you know, that's another subject. I'm going to have to ask you this, though. Mm -hmm. This is a Jewish uh, chant, piece of music. Mm However you want to see that. You are a Jewish lady. Um, but a lot of what you do, uh, a lot of your writing seems to be rather new age in its spirituality. It it, it takes on things like, uh, um, you know, past lives. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you square these things? with? Oh, with-
2: thank you for asking that. Well, guess what? Why do you think I fell into Judaism? Part of it is, because that mysticism, that is Kabbalah, that's how you're right. supposed to say it, because <laughs> you don't you don't say one of the syllables harder than the other says Kabbalah. It, this this fascination and total totally falling in love with it happened when I started to study. Uh, the Gnostic Gospels, trying to learn more about Jesus, who was Jesus, you know, all the historical stuff that that I could get my hands on back when, a long time ago now. And I realized that a lot of what Jesus would say was uh, in alignment with a lot of what is Kabbalah. So I started to, to, well, I have to find out this, you know, more about this. So And I'm not an expert on it. I have a Kabbalist. I'm learning now again after many years of kind of just flopping around and not really, you know, raising kids and not really being a student of it officially. But um, reincarnation is part of the ancient mysticism or just the ancient Jewish belief that it's like a tree of life. So inside of each of us, um, instead of saying the chakra centers, we might you know, look at it as there, there's a tree inside, and it gets really complicated. You can Google it and look at the chart, and so I won't go into all of it. But um, you, the, the whole idea is that you live many lives in order to get closer, to return back to the original source, which is God. So it's like we're, God created us, and it's kind of the image is a, a vase or a vessel, I guess I should say, that shattered into... A million pieces because it just kept expanding and we're we are each of us a piece of that creation so we each have that that spark or that um source of of life in us and so we we uh we have to live many lives in order to really become one again does that make sense did i explain it it does
0: it does basically you know kabbalah Magic, if you will, involves the use of 22 sacred letter energies, a story mm-hmm. of which each of them appeared to God, um, offering to do this, that or the other in the creation. And mm-hmm. it is in the permutation or the use of these sacred letter energies that the so-called uh, Kabbalah mystics are able to do some of the things that allegedly they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, have I got just, that right for you, I, I, I didn't well, want to yeah, put words in your it. mouth. But
2: no, that's fine. I mean, and uh, applying it to regular, regu- you know, just daily life struggles. Like, um, if and there's there's a way you do it. There's a, a chart. well, everything
0: from daily life struggles to psychic protection. You would use mm-hmm. different letter energies to produce or or provide for that protection, or to bring about. Uh, uh, more joy in your life, and uh, cetera, and so forth, right?
2: Well, it's like this. Every letter, and this is the other, you, you'll understand why I love it because of this, too, because drawing, for me, lines and shapes, they all have personality. They talk to us. Even the simplest line has something to say. So each, each Hebrew letter has its own personality and it has its own spiritual meaning, and there are 72 names of God, where three letters each are joined, and you, you cannot utter them because you are too holy. Right. But you can scan them from right to left in the proper order and feel aligned, and it's really fun. It's, it's really actually beautiful. So, like, one of them is eliminating negative thoughts. Another is healing. Another is dream state. There's even DNA of the soul. There's all the stuff that we would say, this is new age, but it's not. It's ancient. It's actually ancient.
0: I love it. I love it. I do,
2: too. I'm having so much fun with it. I really am. I'm so alive with it.
0: Okay. Now, back to the question I promised that I would ask you after the break.
2: <laughs>
0: Why do you think that everyone is natural at drawing? Well,
2: yeah, I have to straighten this out with you because last time we, we've we talked about it. So you, you kind of said, and, and, you know, it's good to talk about because you said, hey, You know, it's easy for you to say because you have a BFA and an MFA and all that. Well, but I think that we're looking at drawing. There's so many ways to look at drawing. I think drawing doesn't have to be I'm good at it. It just has to be a way of expressing creative life force energy in an immediate, natural, innate to us way. And how do we know that? We know it because we got born doing it, basically. We can't wait to make a mark. A kid, who did your kids draw on the walls at least once? Ravinder yeah. and Elvin.
0: Yeah, and, I, and Elvin. I doodle all the time.
2: Yeah, and I. I well, I don't doodle do so much doodling. anymore
0: because I actually have done some of the stream drawing since we talked about this when oh, you know last and yeah. and and I'm having some
2: fun with that, you know. Really? Oh, uh, I love to hear more about that because I think what people say is I'll say, hey, you know, do you draw? oh, I I like to, but I'm no good at it. So they've cut themselves off from the thing that they like. I'm still no good at it. Well, but I don't know about that. You know, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be conditional. It's just a thing to do to align yourself with your higher self. So, but we get, you know, we weren't encouraged to do anything like that in school. You know, it became, and maybe it's partly when you hit the age of reason, you start wanting to draw things to make it look exactly like the thing. And you start reasoning in a way that's using that other side of the brain, not just the creative, flourishing, kind of, you know, magical sense that you have when you're five or six or younger. But I think that if we – but we need to be in touch with that because we are creators. It's our our true essence. It's who we really, really are. So you can write at the top of a piece of paper any problem, any concern – and just take a few deep breaths. You can have a, a snack, you know, get really comfortable. And using your non-dominant hand with your eyes closed, do a drawing all over the paper and then open your eyes and look and then play with that the way the lines and the, and the shape speak to you personally. And a whole lot of things can happen in that that you wouldn't have expected, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at something in a whole fresh way. But it's also just for the pure enjoyment. You could also just color it after you do a stream drawing. Start coloring it because it feels good. There doesn't have to be any right or wrong or good or bad about it. Just it feels good, and we need to feel that kind of good. It's not ego good. It's intuitive, spiritual. You know, being just being with ourselves, with our higher selves.
0: Can, let me let me ask you this. It's a bit of a selfish question, but I think it's relevant. And, and, and perhaps my experience is something that you've seen many, many times. When I started to do this, you know, I pre-thought. What is it I want to draw? And then I said, no, no, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to pre-think this, you know. So so sitting down to draw a horse or sitting down. So, yes. so then I had this, well, what am I supposed to do if I don't know what I'm going to do? Uh-huh. And so I just kind of started, you know, I looked away and started kind of scribbling on the piece of paper, you know,
2: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: and and interestingly, it it began to form, um, what I would say I could interpret a picture. But then uh-huh. I'm also aware that you know now look, we look at Rorschach <laughs> tests and we, uh-huh. you know, we see ink blots and we come up with. Um, some thematic apperception. You know, what is it I see there? Well, I think I see bells or roses. Mm -hmm. Uh, I began to see that when I didn't look at what I was doing. How common is it in order to break the need of having a directed kind of, I'm going to draw this, I just stream. How common is it to just look away in order to do that?
2: Well, how common, how easy is it to get ourselves to be able to do it, you mean?
0: Okay, I'll take that. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, well, uh, and and let me know if I'm not answering this the way you wanted me to. I think it is hard because we've been conditioned to, you know, be on top of it and be accountable. It's like turning in a paper. Here's my drawing of the horse or whatever. This is different. This is going somewhere where we don't know what what the outcome is. We don't know. It's, It's exciting because if you close your eyes and, or look away and use your non-dominant hand, you're free-falling. You can't control it. You're using your non-dominant hand. But yet this thing is happening, and it feels like kids have said to me, oh, I feel like I'm flying. And it does feel that way. I don't know if you felt that way when you started getting into it. But I think it's hard for us to allow ourselves to do it, but then when we do do it, it feels good. And I just want to make a comment about the Rorschach test thing. So in this case, with this method, what we would never do is Eldon would never say, hey, Elaine, I have drawn this. What do you see in it? And then I would go, hmm, Eldon, I see a phallic <laughs> symbol there. You know, I know it's on your mind or whatever. Like people like to do that to each other, right? right. That's not what this is. What I would say if I were to do that, if someone came up and said that to you, it tells you more about them because they're interpreting it, right? Right. This, this exercise is about you, the drawer, drawing within on the paper but from within, and whatever you see in it is what matters. You might invite someone, hey, do you, do you see that there, there's an alligator right there? Do you see that? Yeah, I do see that. that that's Okay. But no one is supposed to analyze anyone else's stream drawing, because if we did do that, we'd ruin it, and no one would feel like drawing. And that's where we already are. So right. there's no there's no growth in that. The whole point is for us to have that quiet conversation with ourselves to know what things mean to us. Because but now,
0: I have to ask this, Elaine, because. You know, I, I know that you do stream drawings. I have one you've done for mm-hmm. me hanging in my office. Right. And, and, and you, you do this for other people. Yeah. Uh, you connect, or I don't know how you want to phrase it, with this other person. And then you do these stream drawings. So and and then when you've done the stream drawing you talk them through with the person that you did them with in a mm-hmm. sense interpreting what's going on. So isn't that the opposite of what you just said?
2: No because I d- did the drawing and I simply shared with you what I see in the drawing. So so let me put it this way. If if you or I share what things mean to us personally we actually give each other a gift. So let's say I'm going to do a reading for someone because they've contacted me and they have some stuff they're trying to work through and I care about it and I want to give them time and energy and I want to go inward with them. So I say, okay, don't tell me anything and then I will do a meditation and in the meditation I'll be doing this drawing and we'll use it as a tool during the reading and we'll see what, if anything in it means anything to you. And so that's all it is. It's no different from sharing a dream, you know, and you sharing your dream with me may give me a big gift because your insight might help me in my life in ways you don't even know that we couldn't have seen. So, so,
0: so could two people, a husband and wife for that matter, could they share in the same way?
2: Sure. Let's say, let's, can I say Ravinder and Eldon? Can I just do that as an example? Okay. So what if. What if Ravinder says, hey, Eldon, I'm kind of pondering something, but I don't want to say what it is. I just want you to meditate on it and do a stream drawing and then tell me what you see. And then you go off and you, you go, okay, sure, you know, and you do the meditation and you draw and you see all these things and you write notes. And it's not only just seeing things. You might get a weird feeling when you look at something or a feeling that reminds you of a thing that happened to you when you were young. It may not even be rational or logical, but You have to just trust it. You write it down. And then you meet back with Ravender and you say, well, let's sit down and talk. Here's what I saw. And then usually, and I've been doing this for a long time, every time, some, a lot of things in here, it can be ridiculously uncanny almost. That's so much fun. That's why I keep doing them. It isn't hard for us to actually love and care for each other. The information we need isn't really that hard to get or to, to uh, you know, to seek and find is not really as hard as we thought it is, you know? So I, I think if you did that, I would love it if you guys tried it and let me know how it goes. Because... I think
0: we'll do that.
2: Yeah. Ravinder's smiling
0: so, at me. Your mic's still hot. You could, you could <laughs> speak, Ravinder.
1: That sounds like a fabulous idea. I'm actually stream drawing while you guys are chatting too, and I've got some really fascinating stuff appearing here. It's like, yes, what the so. heck? <laughs> That's that is hard. a
0: phallic symbol. <laughs> no,
1: it's not. <laughs>
0: I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: No. <laughs> Elaine. Yeah. I want everybody to know how they can reach you, how they can learn more about you, how they can, for that matter, uh, get your book or maybe, well, you know, arrange uh, a, a stream drawing with you. So take a few minutes and share that with us, please.
2: Okay. I'd be so honored. Yeah. Um. You can reach me through my website, which is elaineclayton.com, and uh, you can send me a message that way. You can call the studio. The phone number should be on that site. Um, I don't know if you want me to say it on the radio, but I will. Yeah, want say me. it. Say okay, it. it. Okay, Make sure everybody
0: gets it down.
2: Okay, get your pencil <laughs> ready. 203-557-3937. And I'm on Facebook. I have... Um, an intuitive stream drawing page, but I'm also just Elaine Clayton, and I think there are a few. I even am friends with someone else named Elaine Clayton, but hopefully you'll find me, and uh, I would love to connect there, too. Um, I do a little bit of Twitter and Instagram, but not as much, I hate to admit. I just feel like I'm actually drawing more than doing some of the online stuff. Uh, Do I sound like I just crawled out of a cave a little bit? Um, But no, I I would love to... um, To have people reach me, mainly through the website and calling and through Facebook, I think, is the best way.
0: And Elaine has a wonderful newsletter or blog. I'm not sure what you call it. And the name of the book, again, Making Marks, Discover the Art of Intuitive Drawing. It's a lot of fun, and it's, you know... It's a great exercise. Thank you for your work, Elaine, and for your willingness to share it with us. Thank We've come so to much. the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show, and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters.